Hi, and welcome to the Cloud Entrepreneur Podcast, a free resource to plan, organize, and grow your software as a service business. I'm your host, Angela Mondado, and let's get started. All right, so this first introduction episode, I wanted to kind of introduce a little bit about the show, and I'll start things out with the value proposition. Um, This show is for software developer entrepreneurs who need help planning a bootstrap startup under a tight budget. The Cloud Entrepreneur Podcast provides free resources to plan, organize, and grow your software as a service. So basically, I'm going to document everything and put it out there for you guys to consume. So what am I going to do in the show? So I'm going to provide free resources, uh, PDFs, these videos and pod, audio podcasts, and um, subscri- uh, worksheets and resources for you guys to help create your business. I'm going to get feedback from you guys listening and watching, telling me where I can improve things. So uh, it's a little bit of give or take. Um you're going to learn from my mistakes as I'm doing this show. I'm also going to start a new business. Uh, business is called Logging Magic, and I'll get into that a little bit more in a little bit. And uh, we're also going to talk a little bit about software development. I'm not going to get into specific code, so we won't have to have the arguments of you know which software is better, PHP, Node, Python, Java, whatever. The big thing is the business part is what I want to focus on in this podcast. Um, But we'll get to eventually, you'll find the the languages I like to use and you guys can make fun of me for that. (laughs) Um, And uh, I really want to focus on everything being bootstrapped. So a low funded startup, um, something where maybe you saved six months or two years worth of salary, tucked it away, and now you're going to spend that 10 or 20 grand and get something started. That's exactly what I'm doing for the, my logging magic company. And uh, so it just makes sense to focus on that for you guys. So who is this show for? Obviously I kind of mentioned it's for software developer entrepreneurs like myself, um, but also anybody that's trying to do a tech startup will, will find this podcast useful. Um, and I think uh, anybody that's probably not even tech related, but they're trying to bootstrap a company may also find some of the things useful in this podcast. But just to circle around, um, if you're a developer like myself, I'm going to be speaking your language. (laughs) So you're the perfect person to be listening to the show. So just to kind of give you some ideas of stuff we're going to talk about. Um, Initially, right away, I'm going to talk about how to structure your company. And I don't mean like create tons of divisions and and make phantom employees. But what I really mean here is how you're going to structure different tasks that different people will eventually need to fill. And um, when you make trigger points or, or decisions to actually grow and scale your company and hire for those positions. We want to have that somewhat mapped out, if not exactly mapped out. And that's a good lead into the next part, which is coming up with a business plan. And also I like to do this together. The 
product vision board. So if you've ever heard of Scrum development, that's a pretty key part of development of creating the product vision boards. That way the development Scrum team, designers, uh, business analysts, everybody that's involved has a clear picture of what is going to be developed and created. Um, I have found that that goes hand in hand with the business plan. And I will have some resources on my version of a business plan plus a product vision board together. And I think, again, for software developers, it'll make a lot of sense. It might also apply to folks that are creating other kinds of small businesses or bootstrapping, um, but it, for software as a service or even just making software and selling it directly or a service online, um, this formula is gonna really help you guys. Um, I'll talk about value propositions, and that's uh, something that I also struggle with. But uh, luckily, I have family that I'm le leaning on to help me with that. And I'll share the insights that I get from that as we go. Um, the marketing plan. I am by no means a marketing person, but I know the success of using different tools to market. And really, the key is listing out all the things that you know are the marketing opportunities and then listening to other people and telling and having them advise you on other opportunities that might come. Um, by no means am I going to make you a marketing expert, but you need to know the plan, how you're going to market. Um, just to kind of elaborate, if you're creating a company that you're going to sell access to, um, let's say, some kind of analytical data that you process for a customer, you need to come up with at least two or three initial plans on how you're going to market that. Whether it's, I'm going to scrape and get email addresses on the web, or I'm going to use affiliates and contact folks to have them email me. And every time I get a sale, they get a commission, whatever approach you're going to take. You're, you're going to dump money on Google Analytics or Google Ads, I should say. Those are different things you're going to outline. It's going to be in your business plan. So you need to know how that's going to work. It's not, again, not that you have to need to be a, a perfect marketer or anything like that, but you need to know exactly what you're going to do. And in that process, when you do consult someone who does know what they're talking about, you're making decisions based on their input. And it's and you're aware of all that. Um. I kind of touched on it also, we're going to talk a little bit about Scrum project uh, Scrum project management and um, the importance of project management, especially in a startup. And I'll be touching a little bit also on the importance of MVPs. <laughs> I would always get um, people I've worked with in the past upset because I will create a version and it's not really useful. <laughs> but I highlight to them, this is an MVP. Um, that's a I guess it would be different steps of an MPP. Once you have a, a true working uh, minimal viable product that you can release, you release it. But it's good practice to, as fast as you can, make your least for, uh, least um, featured version of your application or service. Get it up there, look at it, touch it, feel it, make sure everything works the way you're intending. Um, so many times I've seen people develop big monoliths. They never get versions out. They never had other people look at it. And then there's huge things that need to be changed and it gets delayed even more. And the cool thing is 
the concept of getting a minimum viable product falls right into the way the, pro the scrum process works. You know, do something for two weeks, see what it looks like. If you can release it, release it, repeat. So we'll we'll be digging into that. And then other sources such as um, small business administration resources in your area of the country, if you're in the United States. Um, here in Ohio, we have the Ohio Small Business Development Center. And the one I'll be um, using in the next couple months and kind of relaying what I'm learning is the one for Central Ohio in the Columbus area. And then also there's lots of opportunities to get startup credits from companies like Amazon. Um, Amazon, I think, calls theirs Amazon or AWS Activate. Um, so there's opportunities there too. Now that doesn't necessarily fund your whole company, but it gives you credits. And if you're doing what I'm doing and it's all about the, the most expensive part besides development, design and development and the legal is literally hosting the application. If you can get help at that early stage to get your startup going, that's where you want to start tapping the opportunities. So, and then of course, the biggest thing is you guys are going to follow along as I create the Logging Magic um, service, um, which is going to be a software as a service. And one of the primary goals is to get it on the Amazon AWS Marketplace. And then later on, it'll also be available on other marketplaces. Um, I'm really excited about talking about the Azure and um, DigitalOcean, but we'll get into that in a little bit. And then that's a good segue then and why I'm doing this show. So the big thing is I want to help fellow uh, software developers that are want to start businesses or have and just want something else to get them motivated. I want to help you guys. Plus, this process is kind of helping me because I'm putting it together at the same time I'm creating my, my new startup. Um, and it, the other thing is you guys are going to get some of my uh, experience. I'm not going to say I'm the, the best entrepreneur in the world that, that you'd want to follow, <laughs> but I, I've done a lot of stuff over the years and it didn't dawn on me until this summer when I was kind of wanting to move on and do something next in my career that I'm really an entrepreneur. I'm not a software developer. I'm not a, I'm not a uh, business owner. I'm really an entrepreneur. I want to make something. I want to get it out there. And I want it to be successful. And, um, you know, that's uh, sorry if you're not excited about that, but I get excited just thinking about it. Let's make a business. Let's get, let's get a product or service out there and make people happy. And then, um, you know, one of the other things is uh, my legacy. I mean, I guess it sounds silly, but, you know, I kind of want to have something out there that shows like, Hey, this is the stuff he did. Um, this is how he helped the rest of the world. Um, you know, I've done a lot of open source software and, and a lot of the stuff's available online, but um, that doesn't live forever. Um, and, uh, you know, these videos on YouTube and the podcasts online, um, they'll live a bit longer. Hopefully they'll help a lot more people. So here I am. <laughs> um, and I want to make sure that people know that starting a business, it's possible. It's not just possible. It's, I wouldn't say it's not easy but if you're determined, you can do it. It's, it, it is possible. And, um, but I want to talk about some of the factors that you want to avoid. One is, you know, shooting from the hip and the other term is winging it. If you're just trying to get by with your company and let's say you're going to sell ice cream cones 
out of a, out of a truck or or a cart or something. And each day you go up there, you're just throwing new signs up on there to try to get people to come eat your ice cream. Um, it ain't gonna work. It's not. That's not how you you do a business. You need to come up with a plan. Um, you know, stick with what you what you know. So if you if you really know chocolate, your stand better have chocolate ice cream and variations. If you really know, you know, if you really know chocolate, and um, you know, making decisions with your gut. <laughs> Um, not a good idea. And I'll make a difference between making a decision from your gut and making experience, making a decision based on your experiences. Those are two completely different things. A decision on your gut is walking in the room and deciding to go on the left side rather than the right side and hoping that you're not going to get wet if, if the roof falls off or something. That's don't make business decisions using your gut. You can't do it. Um, and the, and the best thing I can advise too is do not manipulate data to justify your decisions. If, if uh, um, for example, if a customer in the morning, you know, or in your work, uh, let's use a car dealership. Car dealership, you're selling a car. Uh, someone comes in and says, I want to buy that car, but I wish it had um, air conditioning vents in the back seat. <laughs> That's great. That's a great option. But then you take that information at the end of the day and go to your management and say, I had like 20 people come in here and tell me they want air vents in the back of the air conditioner. And that that did nothing. What you what you just did is sold your management on the idea that you're either exaggerating or lying or just making stuff up. And it, it's just not worth it. Um, because then you're gonna set everything in motion where no one takes, you know, the things that you're saying credible. Um and in the flip side, it might be that you should have said exactly what you saw. I had, I had a customer come in and they wanted vents in the back seat. The manager is then going to ask if they're smart and say, did that guy had a, had a fedora or something like that? And come to find out it's Mr. Jones that comes in once a week and he buys a new car like every two months. <laughs> so if Mr. Jones says he wants air conditioner vents in the back, we got to tell corporate. <laughs> and, you know, perhaps you're just trying to take the data and manipulate it like, you know, because you think that's going to make things change. Um, but the honest facts will, if it really is um, meaningful, the honest information can still have an impact. So it's better to just be honest. Don't lie. Don't manipulate data. Um, don't make decisions <laughs> randomly. Use data. So I think um, I'll bring that up a lot. I like to make data-driven decisions. Um, you you get data that you need. You just you look at it. You justify a decision, and then you can move forward. Um, that has different advantages. Um, you're not going to make promises you can't keep because when you're getting data, you're going to say I'll look into it rather than say I'll try to add. Uh, we'll add that feature instead. You say we'll we'll look into it. Um, and if if you follow large companies, anytime someone asks for a feature, they say, "Well, we'll put it on the we'll put on the uh, wish list, and we'll prioritize it as as we get more feedback over the the coming months or years, whatever the procedure is." That's how you want to handle a situation like that specifically. Um, you also don't want to make promises on delivering things that that you know you can't keep. Um, you know, like. Uh, 
trying to give an example without getting in trouble. But, you know, if you're working for someone, um, someone in, in your sales department or whatever keeps promising things to the customer that don't exist. <laughs> and then the software team um, comes comes to the to the to the table and they're, and they're told, Hey, X feature X, Y, Z is supposed to be there because I promised it to a customer. <laughs> That's not the world you want to be in. You're not, you're not um, making anybody, any friends or strong relationships with the dev team and, and management team. When you start promising things that haven't even been discussed to customers and it gets you in a, in a bad relationship with the customer at, at the end of the day too. So and you can easily doing this drag your company into quagmires. They're spending time for one customer rather than using data to say, "Hey, 50% of the customers want X," and yet we're doing Y for one. So just make sure you're always making data-driven decisions. And that kind of goes into another thought here: is data-driven leadership. So, um, but before I get into that, there's the confusion just so that we're not, you know, confusing acting, you know, using your gut feeling to make a decision versus experience. So like a, if you look at baseball, the pitcher and the catcher have experience. And so they're making calls after every pitch to decide what's the next best thing to do or throw or handle in the play. Right. And that's not acting on your gut. That is using your experiences in the, you know, career, the position that you're in to make, a good decision for the, you know, as you're moving forward. So yeah, let's, before I get a whole bunch of people yelling at me. <laughs> um, so there is a huge difference between acting on your gut or just, um, you know, s promising things to people versus making a decision based on your experiences. Um, and that's really when you're making a decision based on your experience, you are doing fact driven decisions and you probably just don't know it so the the great thing about using um, data driven decisions and leadership is that you remain honest you're not you're not ever lying so you're always using data to just make decisions and it keeps things clear and focused as well um, when you when you're working with contractors and they say well why am I doing X and you and your answer is, this will lead to a 20% lead in sales because you did the work to figure out that's going to increase customers. That's it. There's none of this back and forth. Whereas if you said, well, I have this gut feeling that if we put X in this app, we're going to triple our sales or something like that. That's not getting people motivated. It's, it's kind of leaving things um, as if you're again, um, shooting at the hip. So it also allows you to easily never second guess yourself because you, you have data behind you. Why would you think you're wrong? Because you, you, you or you went with, uh, with other team members or contractors to figure out that this is a good path to go. Um, plus if, again, if you're the audience that I'm talking to, um, software developers, um, you're already an analytical person. So using data, to come to a conclusion that that's our bread and butter. That's what we do every day. We make a decision based on information we have. Hey, it's what we do. We're developers. So 
And, and a, a good way of doing this, and this is what you're kind of seeing today with a lot of modern companies that are tech-driven, decision-driven, decision is that they have a lot of respect in the industry. Um, like I really love um, Airbnb service, and actually that's another one of the startup businesses that my wife and I started here this last uh, spring. Um, they have a really good philosophy um, I really like how they develop things, take feedback, how everything is run. I mean, they're, they're in a constant struggle trying to make multiple parties happy at the same time. So, um, you know, hats off to them for dealing with such a struggle. But on the flip side, you know, they're not making things up or anything like that. So um, at least our experience has been that you can make money at, with an Airbnb. So... Um, respect an industry, and then you'll also have predictable results with people you work for. If you're constantly making decisions, giving people data, and saying this is why we're going this route, um, you know that you get respect from the contractors, the people that work for you, and that's what it's all about. You just want people that work under you or work for you as a contractor or whatnot to have confidence. And when you have data, you're you have the confidence yourself. So you're moving forward perfectly. So um, another thing though, is, and I'm sure you're starting to think this, how do we innovate when we have no data then? And that's actually the difference here, right? So you can do some research um, when you're trying to create something brand new, um, but in some cases you there is no data, you're taking a risk and that's, an entrepreneur, that's your goal. You take risks. So how do you get to the next step if you don't have data? Well, <laughs> it's not that you ha don't have data. You are going to start collecting data and make decisions immediately after you launch your service or your product. And that is how you make decisions. Um, so yeah, you can take a risk. You have an idea. You have an innovation that needs to get out there and you have no data for it. That's okay. You, you just you will get there because of the innovation, not because you're taking something and innovating it based on feedback and data. So that's just to kind of keep those two separated or unconfusing. So take you got to be re ready to take risks, and but immediately once you take risks, you got to measure it. You got to know what's happening. So um, the other one is. Uh, other thing I want to just drop in there is celebrating your mistakes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, everybody's going to make mistakes. I've made a couple even in the last year. And I'm like, dang it, why did I do that? Um, and, it, you know, it happens. Um, the big thing is that you admit them um, and you deal with it. You take the consequence and then you use that as a tool to make better decisions as you move forward. If you can't do that, um, I mean, you can still be a great entrepreneur and make a great company, but I, I don't think you're going to ever reach the same plateau. You never, you're never, you're never doing any kind of self-improvement. You're never solving the problems that may have led to those mistakes. So it's, it's like, if, if you want to really do yourself a favor, you need to learn how to, um, recognize when you've made a mistake or surround yourself with people that are willing to tell you when you're doing something wrong or making a mistake 
that way you can learn from that. And if you, if you can't have that kind of environment, if you can't get to that point, um, you know, a good luck to you, but, um, you will never get to the same plateau that you could if you, you can have that, um, self-awareness, I guess is the right way of saying it. So that is beyond way beyond the show, but I wanted to get that out there in this introduction episode though, that way you guys can, you know, think about it. But, um, I'm going to bet though, since you're watching this show, you're, you want to be improved. You want self-improvement. You want to learn something new. And, um, I'm the same. So like, Hey, if you heard some of the stuff you just heard me talk about and you're like, Angelo, that's BS. Let me know. I'll correct myself. I guarantee it. And actually I almost want to say something completely wrong just to make sure people are listening. <laughs> but I, I probably won't do that. I will definitely say something wrong anyway. <laughs> so, um, a lot of the stuff I do, and when I talk about the cloud, it's going to be specific to Amazon Web Services. Um, and for those who like other platforms, um, I'm sorry, my background has been in AWS for a long time, and I really like to help that community. So, for example, um, my experience with AWS started in 2007, and actually, I still I still have a hard time saying that because we were just using the S3 feature as storage in 2007. But by 2009, uh, I was involved in putting servers and infrastructure on AWS. Um, and that's where I really feel comfortable. And then, you know, I kind of look back at the time. And a lot of this stuff was marked beta in that time period. And I think we were, I was like, we don't want to use a beta feature at that time. <laughs> but yeah, that's a little bit of the history there. But um since 2009, though, I've been doing a lot with AWS um, as far as uh, the different businesses I've been involved in, um, hosting WordPress on there um, and building actual new, not just migrating existing applications, but building new applications specifically to take advantage of different features in AWS in the cloud. And a lot of this will apply to other cloud platforms. It's just that's the one I have experience with. Um, and to tie that in, um, I started in 2015 um, the AWS community, um, the a, uh, AWS Columbus community meetup here in Columbus, Ohio. And then in 2018, I got involved with the AWS Midwest Community Day conference. Um, the first two years we had it in Chicago. And then we had the third one in 2020 online because of the pandemic. 2021, we skipped. And then this last one, 2022, we had it right here in Columbus, Ohio. So I'm kind of involved with that conference. Um, next year, we're going to be back in Cincinnati. I'm going to, we're going to be back in Chicago. <laughs> and um, so that'll be exciting. And then also, I'm a member of the AWS Community Builders. And that is going to get me resources and um, information. Um, especially on education to be able to share here on the show. Um, and I'm hoping that I'll be able to get a few folks from the, the few friends and colleagues from that group community to come on the show and uh, tell you guys some pretty inspiring things about startups and also creating applications on the, on AWS. Um, I'm also Amazon web services certified. I have uh, both the uh, cloud practitioner and the, um, uh, shoot, the associates, 
um, software architect associates. And um, again, I've been developing and putting things on there forever, seems like. Um, but not to, you know, scare everybody else off. I do want to discuss specifically DigitalOcean. And then uh, we'll also hopefully have people come on the show from Google Cloud, Microsoft Azure, and Oracle Cloud. But um, in actually going back to DigitalOcean, I kind of have an affinity and a love for that particular platform because they really geared towards the open source community. Um, and I still feel connected to that. So, well, and plus they have a couple features over there that are really cool. And probably it'll be a few episodes before I talk about it. But um, if you're really truly into um, approaching your business and also the most cost-effective way of doing things, um, you might find that you might want to be a multi-cloud business. You might put a couple things in a couple situation uh, applications or sub applications on Azure, and then the rest on Amazon, for example. So um, we won't. We'll get into that someday. So I do want to talk about who this podcast is not for. So if you're looking for help with funding for your your startup. Um, I'm just going to talk about money and where there's opportunities, but this isn't a show for funding. So sorry, this looks somewhere else. <laughs> but um, if you're looking for help to actually develop your product or service, again, this is not what the purpose of the show is. We'll, we'll talk about code and, and platforms. And for example, um, do you use Cognito or some other user pool service or do you build your own? You know, we'll talk about that. But I'm, we're not going to get into how to develop your specific application. So it should be a no-brainer there. And then um, this, this podcast isn't going to help you do the basics, like incorporating, creating your LC, creating an S or C corp, uh, creating your checking accounts, worrying about your accounting, your payroll, your legal. Um, we will talk a little bit about, you know, accounting and we'll probably talk a little bit about legal like in the form of these are different types of pages you need for for your service like uh terms of service um the gdpr you know that kind of legal stuff but um we're not going to write it <laughs> we're going to talk about it and then based on your specific needs you will find a lawyer or a service like legal zoom to create those documents for you and um this is probably a good segue to talk about myself. So I'm Angelo Mandato, and I just lost my notes. I put that back here. And um, I'm a software developer and also an entrepreneur. And um, in recent years, I've also done a scrum um, position of product owner. And it's and the combination of all these things have kind of given me an, a new fresh insight on both the product vision board and um, the um, your business plan and marketing. And uh, so that's where a lot of the stuff I'll be talking about kind of coincides. Um, my education, I graduated from uh, Kent State University that's near Cleveland, Akron, Ohio, um, with a bachelor's of science of uh, computer science. Um, I started software development um, in, in 2000. I, was doing a combination of desktop software 
um, things that had to do with manufacturing. So uh, documents, uh, apps that would load up documents to print labels that then would go on uh, in the, this situation, ductwork, but it could also go on packaging and other products. And then also I did a lot of web-based um, applications. The company had internal payroll and um, expense reports. So I got um, early on, we kind of created in 2000, 2001, we created our own version of Zoho before Zoho existed. Um, and that was a lot of fun. I really loved that those early years in developing. Um, I had a really great supervisor. His name was Joe Courtney. Hi, Joe, you're out there. Um, so motivating. He's been one of the um, pretty influential for me as far as leadership. You know, you want to empower someone, um, give them lots of praise when they, you know, they do a good job and um, just really allow someone to take ownership of a project. It's not like uh, he would come in and say, this is how you do it. He's like, this is the problem. Um, this is what I think. And then you would take it and then you could give them feedback and nine out of 10 times and going back to that data, if you have, you can explain why you're doing something. Um, usually you, you're like, great, go for it. And then in other cases, he would give me feedback and take like an idea I had and make it even better. Um, so yeah, just great experience to be under. Um, it's, it's a great experience to be under great leadership. Um, and I was pretty blessed at that time. And um, I also got a lot of experience with uh, email web servers, uh, making RFPs, POs, things to do with um, ordering and pro uh, sales. And um, then also the website had a lot of traffic to be able to find leads and things like that. Um, and the email servers, um, for good or bad, it, I just know a lot about email, um, unfortunately. <laughs> Actually, it's come in quite handy over the years, but um, that and DNS and um, a lot of the basics of internet engineering, um, I just happen to know a lot about it because of those early years. Um, I've also done a lot of my own businesses. I uh, started a business with a colleague, a friend, um, where we did some um, freelance work doing websites. I then also created some open source software um, one was called uh, Venus for, and it was for an editor to be able to edit, um, install scripts. Um, but um, that actual one, I actually made some money selling that as a, as an application, one time subscribe, uh, one time fee to have a license, and then um, yeah, a lot of the other stuff is open source. There's still around PDF Blender. Um, ping lookup, just utilities to be able to use, um, try to make things a little bit easier when you're on your, you know, on your computer. Um, in 2005, I was one of the co-founders of Raw Voice, which is known as Blueberry Podcasting. Um, today, that company grosses over two million a year, and um, from the founding up until this, just this last year or this year, this spring, I was the CIO. And it gave, really gave me a lot of opportunity to work with a lot of different vendors, um, work in the um, uh, podcast uh, uh, measurement committee through the IEB, which is the Internet Association of Broadcasters. Um, there's just a lot of things I got a, a, a lot of opportunity to, um, you know, meet a lot of important people in the, in the podcast industry and also pretty influential. Um, some of the things that... Um, 
that I got to do that uh, is, is kind of awesome now thinking about it was uh, do a lot of innovative things in the podcasting space. Um, we were one of the first to actually make it easy for anybody to put subscription tools on their website. And obviously, WordPress in about 2008, 2009 was the most popular platform. So I made a plugin that easily put your subscribe links in the sidebar. Then a few years later, we took that to another level. We added widgets to the actual um, podcasting plugin, which um, we also developed that. Um, it's called PowerPress podcasting plugin, and we integrated it into it. And that kind of took things to a whole nother level. Um, at the time, um, we took advantage of the new standards for mobile apps where the buttons had to be a certain height. I believe it was like um, 28 to 32 pixels or more, depending on which phone it was. So we just took the one that had the higher number and we made sure every button was at least that high or higher. And um, we, you know, going back to data, we saw people started subscribing on the other platforms more for the shows that implemented the, uh, the subscribe tools. So we knew it worked. Um, and that goes back to making sure you measure, make measure everything. <laughs> and um, the other one that I'm kind of proud of was subscribe on Android service. And it doesn't make money. It's just a service we put up online and it allowed um, other Android apps to implement um, what they call a filter that way, when someone clicks that particular, touches that particular link on your phone, the website knows it can, or the, so the app knows that it can intercept that URL that the, um, that was intended for that website. And really what that allowed was you could get any third party Android podcast app, put it on your Android phone. And if you're on a website that had this link, you could just touch it and it would load right into your favorite app and you'd be able to subscribe right there. So um, really helped out those third-party apps. And this was at a time that Google still didn't make a podcast app. So it really kind of helped bridge that gap until they finally did come out with their own Google podcast app. Um, another uh, startup I'm pretty proud of, my wife and I this year started a new business called uh, Recharge Suites. It is specifically a short-term rental business on Airbnb. Um, so we acquired a couple homes. Um, one we had to completely remodel, but hey, that's that happens. And then um, when we made the business, we focused it on the things that you know we would talk about when we would stay at other Airbnbs. So we make sure we keep it clean. It's very comfortable. So we spent a lot of money on the beds. <laughs> um, we also, as you kind of caught on the, the name Recharge Suites, we also focused that on charging. And uh, we got everything from uh, wireless phone charging in the master bedroom, USB ports in every room. And also we um, got EV chargers for the garages too. Um, and it's it's working. It's a lot of work. <laughs> so if you're um, in your area, you know, search in your area, see if there's um, a demand in the Airbnb space for um, larger homes for families that are visiting from out of town. And there might be an opportunity there for you as well in your area. But um, the only thing that I think that my wife and I are coming, a, getting a conclusion to is scaling um, where software as a service, online businesses, it's a little more clear cut how you scale. Um, with physical businesses, restaurants, 
um, uh, retail, scaling is a much more complicated challenge. So it's it's interesting. So we'll see. We'll probably every once in a while get news on that front um, on this show. But uh, that's our new challenge is figuring out how do we scale it. Um, pretty proud though. Within four months, we um, became super hosts and we still are maintaining a um, a review rating of 4.9 over 4.9. So um, then one last one is I'm starting a new business called Logging Magic. It will be a software as a service business and it'll it's going to follow everything that we talk about on this show. And um, not to give away exactly what it's going to do, but it's going to simplify logging data and events. Um, when we get closer to launch, everybody will know what it does exactly. But until then, sorry. <laughs> um, a little bit more about me personally. I have, um, I'm married um, to my wife, Heather. I have two kids. I'm here, live in Columbus, Ohio. And uh, just to rattle off some people that I admire, um, huge fan of Benjamin Franklin, um, Henry Ford, um, obviously you'll find out I'm a big car nut. <laughs> um, I really like, um, the stories about Thomas Edison and Nikola Tesla and, you know, direct current, alternating current. I'm kind of a nerd about electricity, um, where other branches of science is, is like, oh, but electricity and physics, I totally love those subjects. Um, a big fan of Milton Hershey, um, the maker of the Hershey Chocolate Company. Um, getting into a little bit more about cars, um, big fan of Carroll Shelby. So when they that movie Ford versus Ferrari, for for the longest time I've I've never go to a movie on a Friday, but I went that day. <laughs> um, Jesse Combs, she was a, a race car driver. Um, she set a lot of speed world records. Just she's really inspiring. Um, and sadly, she passed away a few couple years ago. Um, Grace Hopper, if you're familiar with software development, which hopefully everybody listening is, she created the first um, real programming language where you're actually writing, almost speaking English, if that makes any sense. So um, big fan of Jobs, Steve Jobs and, and Steve Wozniak and how they made Apple. Um, it Oddly, I like, oh, I got him here. So I rewatch this movie every once in a while to see a really inspired. Um, but um, I think Wozniak, his story hasn't been said. And I, I'm really anxious someday to really get a story about his his angle of everything. And the stuff he still does too. It's pretty, it's just, that's the, that's the nerd of uh, us being developers is we probably are more interested in Wozniak while everybody else likes jobs. <laughs> But um, another one that a lot of people have never heard of him, his name is Justin Frankel. Um, in the 1990s, he created a company and the software application called Winamp. Um, I'm just a big fan. He created other things that were open source and kind of, um, as far as my software career goes, he was the biggest role model for me because here I'm getting out of college at the same time. He's rolling these other things out that are open source that had to do with installing uh, making installers for Windows and things like that. And it was all open source. So I just like, I want to do that. 
and I started making open source stuff. So I don't know if Justin listens to these things, but you've been a real big inspiration. <laughs> and then um, I'm going to hopefully not say his name wrong. Um, Ryu Asada. This is a designer that uh, made a lot of different Hot Wheels. And um, so I'll, I just happen to have this one here. This is the roller toaster. This is one of the cars that he created. He created a lot of other cool cars, but this one, I mean, yeah, this is this thing is awesome. The toast goes up and down. Design-wise, just it's awesome. Unfortunately, he died of cancer a couple years ago. Um, but um, whew, how can you not be inspired by this? I mean, the even the toaster plug on the side is just like exhaust tips. So yeah. Um, well, a couple more people, obviously Elon Musk, you know, it's a lot of stuff he's doing is pretty inspiring. Um, and, um, just one, I kind of want to drop in there that I'm sure a lot of people don't think about, but the current CEO of, uh, GM, Mary, uh, Barra, um, she is doing something that's almost impossible and that's creating, moving a company culture that's used to doing one thing and making them do something else. Um, I tried to do that. It didn't work. So uh, I really have admiration for someone that's able to transform a company and do it successfully. And I'm pretty sure she's going to do it. And probably in a hundred years, GM's still going to be around where a lot of these other um, automakers didn't pivot. didn't take the uh, passion of, of offering electric vehicles and technology as fast as, as she was willing to do it. So, and be the leader to make sure they get there. So, you know, hats off to her. Um, my interests. <laughs> um, if you're not aware, I really like the Trans Ams. <laughs> I was a big uh, infatuated kid with uh, the movie Smoking a Bandit. And um, so you won't be surprised to know I have, I have two Trans Ams. I have a, one that looks just like the movie car. It took... Um, about eight years to get to it where it's painted and it's still not done. I'm always doing something else to it. Um, and then I also have a 2000. I'm probably going to be selling that someday, but that's not the, that's not the, it's just a fun car where the, the, the seventies it's, it's, it's a car with a soul. So that's all I got to say. And you, you, you don't want to lose your soul. So it's going to stay in this garage forever. <laughs> um, I'm also a road and transportation nerd. I won't even get into that. <laughs> um, home improvement and repairs. I love fixing things. Um, so when we got that Airbnb and then we needed to fix the entire basement in the kitchen, um, I took on as much as I could. But that's one of those where where things made sense, I contracted out. Um, Hopefully we'll never have a conversation about drywall again, but um, I will not hang drywall again. I've done that a couple of times. <laughs> it's not, it's, it's, that's insane. But, you know, my wife and I went in there, we painted, I put in the trim work that needed to go back in, things like that on weekends to get it back up. Um, but a lot of the other stuff were contracted out. But uh, I do love home improvement, just fixing things, getting things to work, um, and uh, I also have, oh, I guess, is it OCD? I don't like it when things aren't are broken. I will make sure they're fixed. There's there's no such thing as a, uh, you know, door that doesn't open or something like that in this house. Everything works. <laughs> it would drive me nuts if something didn't work. 
Um, and I like cooking, specifically uh, grilling out a summer, spring, summer, fall months, and then um, baking too. Um, I don't know if it's like therapy for the soul, but both working on a car or baking or doing some kind of home improvement, it's like I can shut down all the other things that are stressing me out and get myself in another mode. Um, and I'm, hopefully everybody else has something like that, whether it's a sport or a hobby, um, but it's critical. Like every once in a while, you just got to turn everything else off, do something different, reset the mind. And and I swear, some of the craziest innovations have come from me being under the car with oil dripping on my face. And I'm like, we need to do this for podcasting. <laughs> but anyway, um, I think I'm about ready to wrap up this podcast I'm going to aim at creating a one episode a week, hopefully not as long as this intro episode. Um, and I'm going to try to get it out every Tuesday by 5 p.m. And I also will hopefully record on video whenever possible. There'll be situations where um, like I'm going to be at reInvent and anytime that I'm interviewing someone, I'll just be using this uh, Zoom H2 um, microphone. It works great because you can kind of set the situation you're in. Um, won't go into that. If you want to learn how to use microphones like this, there's probably a million different podcasts that you can listen to. Um, I want to keep the shows at most 30 minutes long. Um, the ideal length will be about 15 minutes long. And that will be abused when we have a really good guest. <laughs> and um, I will probably be making revisions to this. Um, podcast. So right now the artwork looks horrible because I made it in 15 minutes with uh, paint.net. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, but as I get, um, you know, funding and money and um, more inspiration and more direction based on feedback, the artwork will change and hopefully the quality of the audio will get better too. I'll, I, I do have a podcast microphone, just way easier to use a headset like I'm using right now. So Sorry. Um, but otherwise, I think that's the crux of it. So if you um, have questions or other th questions that you have that might come out from everything I just shared today, um, please shoot me an email. I'm available at Angelo at um, cloudentrepreneurpodcast.com. And also you can go to my website, angelo.mandato.com. And that's uh, M-A-N-D-A-T-O, that's my last name, and do slash cloud, and that'll take you right to this podcast website where you can subscribe. And I also have a sidebar option where you can give me your email address, and I will just send you an email every time there's a new episode. So that's all I have today. Um, until next episode, have a good one, and uh, let's get started.